Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Okay. This is my uh, third trip to uh, Cheyenne. The first one was just for a couple of hours. And um, the thing that impressed me was um, about um, Cheyenne, or particularly ab- about um, this church, was that uh, I met with Jay, and um, he basically uh, blotted out his whole day to spend with me. And uh, can, I just, can I just say it's really rare for that to happen? Um, you know, I, I, there are times when I will travel thousands of miles in this country and I'll, I'll meet with a leader who will only give me um, a, a little bit of time. Uh, but it, it so impacted me because it was so unusual. And um, so you have quite an unusual leader. You know, and this, is, this isn't just, you know, like, you know, he says nice things about me and I get up and say nice things about him. We, we love that, but um, I, I'm not in the habit of doing that. Uh, as, you know, as an Australian, uh, Australians tend to, to say it as it is, pretty, pretty straight. And uh, uh, you really, you need to really value the leader you have. Because sometimes we don't realise how valuable something is until we don't have it. You know, and we can become so familiar um, with the things of God. We can become so familiar with uh, what's, what's happening. Um, I, um, I've been asking the Lord, um, what would he want me to say to you about Cheyenne? Um, and... I really haven't been getting anything until I was in, in the worship time um, this morning. There's lots of things I could, nice things I could say about Cheyenne. Um, and I know it's a governmental seat, you know, it's, a, it's the capital of the state. And I've had lots of things to say about Wyoming uh, because I really feel like Wyoming will be used by God to impact this nation and other nations. Uh, I really do believe that because um, time and time again people have uh, people outside of Wyoming would say things like, why do you want to go there? Like, there's nothing there. Just one big national park. You know, like, there are more, there are more cattle than there are people, you know. Um, and so, you know, my friends in other, other, other parts would just say, why are you going there? Why are you spending all your time and energy in there? Um, and I happen to believe um, that God wants to do something uh, in the state that's going to impact um, this nation and other nations out of Wyoming. Uh, I believe that um, this church uh, will be used by God to be a forerunner, to be a displayer of kingdom. Um, I'd like to talk to you a lot more about, uh, about that. Um, I'll be talking to Jay about that and he, he can then talk to you because um, I have so many things I want to say. I really sensed in the worship time this morning that one of the, one of the things that Cheyenne would become, would become uh, as a city, and I think in different places, in different communities of believers, it would be stronger than maybe from others, but Cheyenne's going to become known to be a healing place. It's going to become to be known as a place of healing, and uh, not just physical healing, but a healing in whole, whole wholeness. And, um, and God, is gonna, God is gonna do it. He's in the process of doing it, but he's gonna do it. And part of the reason of, of that is that the last two times I've been here, just out of nowhere, I've got sick. So I know that the enemy always attacks destiny. Right? You know, so, you know, so people who, um, who have a particular destiny on their life, you'll often see the opposite happen. 
because it's getting challenged. The enemy always challenges God's destiny for a, for a place. He tries to rob. He tries to kill off. He tries to stop what God wants to do through a group of people or through a geographical area. And um, I had this um, sort of like a quick um, vision of, of Cheyenne becoming um, like they have in, um, in Europe, a spa town. You know, where you would go and there's healing waters that you went there and you, uh, and you got healed and, um, you know, you came away looking a lot better than when you went in. And I really feel like in God that's what Cheyenne's going to become as a, as a place of healing. That sounds good, isn't it? The other thing is that I want to say um, this is that um, I really believe that you, are, you as a church are getting your voice back. And uh, you're going to get a lot louder. You're going to get a lot louder. Oh, come on. Come on, you guys. You go to, the, you go to baseball or what you call football. And you yell. And you cheer. For someone passing around a, a, some leather with hot air in it. Or air in it. And you're more vocal in that cheering on your side and then when you come into a place like this the king of kings the lord of lords into this into this environment the presence of god and um and you go all shy <laughs> so you keep helping me back and i'll keep stirring you up i really feel quite at home so, this is good. All righty. Well, as I just said a few minutes ago, um, there's a fight on. And the fight is for your destiny, for your future. Um, it's going on right now. It's not an equal fight. But the tactic that the enemy uses is to weary you is to steal from you, to steal your joy and convince you that it's really too hard. So he uses such tactics as weariness and discouragement and despair, lack to, to bring you into a place where you will give up, where you will say, it's just too hard to press on. We've heard all those prophetic words. They're never going to happen. They, they're, just, they're just words. So you give away your destiny. So you decide not to keep going on. It's this fight to stop you even, or for some people, to even starting the journey with God. Your soul is being targeted. Now, it sounds so crazy, but if it wasn't so true, let me tell you a story. There was this old man... Um, who lived in an alpine forest um, village high above uh, another Austrian village. This man had been hired by the town council to clear away the rubbish from pools of water up in the mountains that fed the stream that flowed down through the town. So with faithful regularity, the keeper of the stream moved along the hill, along the slopes, along the ravines, removing leaves, branches and accumulated silt that would contaminate the fresh flow of water. Truly, because the town possessed such a beautiful, clear stream, it became a popular attraction for tourists from all over the world. Years passed, and one evening the town council met for its annual meeting. As the council members looked over the budget, one council member began to question the salary being paid to the obscure keeper of the stream. He questioned why they kept the old man 
year after year. And because of the council's persistent, the council members' persistence and a general mood for austerity, <laughs> sounds familiar, doesn't it? The council members voted to cut the old man's services from the budget and tell him he was no longer needed. Now for several weeks, nothing happened. And the members of the town council congratulated each other on saving money for the taxpayer. <laughs> no, they didn't. They just spent it somewhere else. By early fall, though, the trees began to shed their leaves. Small branches snapped off and fell into the pools, impeding the flow of water. Rollicking rapids with sprays of white water became stagnant pools. One afternoon, somebody noticed a slight yellowish tint in the town water. Within a few weeks, a slimy fuel covered sections of the water along the banks and a foul odour was detected. Tourists to the little town soon left and many residents became sick. The town council was forced to call a special meeting. Realising their error, they quickly amended the budget, rehired the keeper of the stream and within a few weeks, the stream cleared and the little town returned to normal. You are the keeper of your stream or your soul. No one else but you. Now, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. I mean, it really is insanity um, to believe that you're going to get a different result, but you just keep doing what you've always done. I mean, everybody loves change until it affects them. The reason that it's important that I talk with you today about your soul is that if your soul is healthy, it will help to organise and guide our life so that you have a life that is filled with meaning, purpose and satisfaction. Okay, what I'm going to do is that somehow I'm going to demonstrate, maybe if we can, we'll put them up there so everybody can see. Oh, well, I just need to get to them. Okay, here I have three chairs. And these three chairs represent you as a person, right? Um, there's three of them, um, but they can look like one. So we have body. Should I put the body around there? That's it. Soul. And spirit. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 um, talks about the spirit, soul, and body. It's one of the few times in the scriptures that it actually sets out um, that. Now, we, one, one, Genesis 1.26 says that we're made in the image of God. Is that right? Yes? So Genesis 1.26, we're made in the image of God. We're made in the likeness of God. Now, God is a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One, but three. And so we're made in the image of God and we're made as tripartite beings. And like I said to you, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 talks about spirit, soul, and body. But you know what? It, it actually, for me, seems to go a lot better if we say body, soul, and spirit. But I'm changing, or I've changed that, because the Bible clearly puts it in an order and God doesn't do just things just for the sake of for it sounding nice. He, he has a reason. So he wants us to understand that we're spirit. There was um, a philosopher in the, in the uh, 1800s, a Jesuit priest, um, who said something like this. He said, we are, not, we are not human beings having spiritual experiences. We are spirit beings who have physical experiences. 
Now, it's really important to have that understanding and to understand that we are first spirit. Our spirits will live on. This body here is temporary. Right? Yeah? It's changing all the time. Some want less, some want more. Some want younger. Not too many want older. You know, so we are spirit. We are spiritual beings. Now, it's really important that you understand that because if you understand that I am first a spiritual being, then anything that happens around about you in the spirit will be normal. It'll be normal to actually have encounters with angels. It'll be normal for prophetic words. It'll be normal for the supernatural because you are spirit beings. However, if you, if you are people um, who, who, who are more focused upon being a body who has these occasional spiritual experiences, then these occasional spiritual experiences will be occasional and they'll be weird. That's good, Mark. I'd just like to encourage myself in the Lord occasionally. So, body, spirit, soul, and body. Now, this is the area that we're going to talk about a lot today. These, they're all important. They all affect each other. But the church has taught a lot about the spirit, right? Yes? Okay. Just, just bear with me. Where I come from, if I ask a question... It's, it is nice to reply. So, so spirit, <laughs> body. Now, we talked a lot about the body, the flesh, the carnal self, all of those sorts of things, haven't we? Yeah. Right, in the church. Okay, but we've not talked a lot about the soul. Now, the soul is designed by God to be a bridge between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. It's meant to be the bridge. <laughs> There's a problem Okay, there's a problem because this is meant to serve, right? It's meant to serve and it's meant to be this connection point between the physical realm and the spiritual realm, but it has a problem. It wants to be the boss. It wants to be in charge, but you know what? It doesn't do it very well, but it wants to be. It wants to be the boss, so when you have people who put their souls in boss, they talk a lot about, oh, I didn't feel like doing that. Oh, you know, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like that. There's a friend of ours in, um, in this state and um, had a healing meeting going and, and, and uh, 95% of the people got healed. Right? It's amazing. He invited a relative of his to come and uh, he said, why didn't you come? You would have been here. He said, oh, oh I, was, I was too sick and I didn't feel like it. It was a healing meeting. <laughs> so this soul is made up of the mind, right? Your thinking, cognitive processes, your mind, your will, your choosing, and your emotions. Yes, men, your emotions. All of us. We have them. Right? It's just that the, the ladies display them. Anyway, moving on. So the soul... The soul, which is this bridge between the, the body and the, and the spirit, but, but it has to be trained. Now, I wanted to talk to you this morning about some areas of, of, of what the soul needs. <clears throat> so we're talking about the soul. We're not talking about being soulish. We're talking about the soul. Now, what does the soul need? The soul longs to be with God. Because in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and He has put eternity in their hearts. Every person on this planet has eternity in their hearts. A longing for eternity. 
And see, that's what, 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 you know, and God wants relationship with every person on the planet. He wants relationship. He doesn't just want visitation rights. Right? He wants relationship. He doesn't just want to visit you on occasions on Sunday morning or, or whenever else. And that's what happens everywhere. People try to fit all sorts of things into that place where it's meant to be in relationship with God. They try all sorts of things because they don't realise they are made to have relationship with God. See, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect relationship. Have you ever thought about this? God has never been alone. He doesn't know what it's like. So when he talks, when he speaks, he's always speaking out of relationship. He's always speaking to you on the basis of relationship. And so we were created for relationship. We were created for relationship with God. In the beginning, God said it was not good for man to be alone. And one of the things that the enemy tries to do is to ha- make us independent. Right? I don't need anybody else. It's actually called pride. See, independence is rebellion from God. So the soul... This soul needs relationship with God and with one another. That's what leads me into the next thing that soul needs. The soul needs community. See, we're made for community. Understand the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed in community. Now, I know that there are some people like me who are extroverts and, um, and you know, I, I get... I get strength of being around people I get filled up from being around people but my wife for instance is is she gets drained from hanging out around people she loved to go and sit on the top of a mountain you know and she gets filled up by that for me I'm drained it's like seeing one mountain you've seen them all <laughs> now retail therapy now that's something different. That fills my soul up too. The truth is that our souls need community. But some souls need it more than others. See, a disconnected soul, a soul who's not in community, lives in vulnerability. All right? All right. A disconnected soul, a disconnected soul lives in vulnerability. Can you understand? Can you see why um, the enemy loves to mess in churches? And so people get offended and leave, right? They get offended because the pastor didn't say hello to them or, you know, because I'm not talking to the offended group today, so you can all smile at me. It's okay. None of you. But we're talking about people that, you know, gone, whatever. Um, But you see, can you, can you understand why the, why the enemy does that? So if you're ever tempted to disconnect yourself from this community, then just remember it's the enemy trying to take you out so that you'll become vulnerable, right? And because then he wants to take you out completely. So we have people, people all over the planet who used to be a part of a community and their souls were getting fed and they, and they were connected in and they're, they're out and they're vulnerable. And, they're, and, and so often their lives just fall around in pieces because you need community. You need this community. Okay? And when it becomes to you um, so much like the scripture talks about as the deer panteth for the waters, so my soul longs. When you're in that place where you, it's, I gotta be, I gotta be in that community. I gotta be with those people. All right. Like I said to you before, the, the soul um, here likes to be the boss. It wants to be in charge. It, it's not good at it. It really isn't. Um, see. You know, that's, that's where the mind, the part of the soul, the mind says, I, I can't understand that. 
So how can I believe it? Um, you mean believe and then I will see? Nah, rubbish. Speaking in tongues. Now that's something that will get your soul really ticked off. I'm seriously, because your mind can't understand what you're saying. All your life, you have spoken a language that you learnt and then you start speaking in tongues, okay? It, your mind doesn't like it at first. But as you train it, your mind gets into a place and, and that's why speaking in tongues is really, really an important thing. That's why Paul says, I do it more than all of you. And that's why he had such revelation. That's why he wrote such significant parts of the, of the New, New Testament. Why? It's because he put his soul in its rightful place. That's why some of the disciplines, that's why fasting, for instance, you know fasting? It's when you don't eat. Yeah? I never understand why they call it fasting because when I've fasted, it goes slow. Uh, really, it should be called slowing. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go slowing. And the problem is, you, you fast, and every television show is about cooking. Every commercial is about food. And then I would get out of the house to get away from that and go walking. Everybody's having a barbecue. You know, my soul has a real problem with that. It's like, give me food, give me food, give me food. Um, and it's not in charge. And so all the things that you can do, like meditation. Meditation has this such a bad rap because some groups of people have taken it and, and counterfeited it. But meditation is biblical, right? It means, it's an agricultural term, but it means really to chew on like a cow chews a cud. So that the, the time that you start to fill your mind, where Eastern meditation is about emptying your mind, it's about filling your mind with the Word of God. You have got to do that every day. Because why? Your soul needs it. It needs to be put into place. And the list goes on. Um, and that's why the spiritual disciplines, as old as they may seem, are really vital for us today because the soul's got to be trained. It's got to be trained to be in the right place. If you don't train it, it'll run amok. Right? If you don't put it in its place, it will be the boss. You know, I, I say to people, spiritual warfare is about operating in the opposite spirit. So when you come in here on a Sunday morning and you just don't feel like worshipping, that's when you should the most. When you don't feel like praying, when you don't feel like reading the Word, that's when you should the most. You should do it at other times, but that's when you should. Be. That's an indicator to you. I need this. But my soul doesn't like it. And so what happens is, like speaking in tongues, when you do it over and over and over and over, it, it starts to get a natural part, a habit um, in your life. Persevering. See, most of us understand what the body needs, don't we? You know, things like food. You know, eating, um, feasting. Did I say food? <laughs> oh, exercise. <laughs> Sleep. Right? They're all, they're all the things. And, and that's fuel for the body, isn't it? Yeah? Sleep and food and eating and, you know, all those sorts of things. You can tell I like food. So that's, that's for this. And, and, and we know things. What are the things that the spirit gets, gets fed on? What, what are the sort of things? The word? Presence of God, worship, fellowship? What else? Huh? Love. Yeah. Like I just said to you, the Bible says speaking in tongues builds you up. Okay? Puts this in its place but builds us up. 
Now, if you had gone for 24 hours or, or longer without very much sleep, prophesying sleep to your body or declaring it is really not going to help, is it? Huh? And lots of the things that happen in here that are food are op- opposites for here. Like, for instance, um, here, like I said, if you don't eat, you get hungry, right? Well, the more that you partake here, the hungrier you get. Right? Now, there's fuel that goes in this body. So it's no good at putting fuel that's meant for your body to go in your spirit or vice versa. Now, the interesting thing about this one is this is the same for all of us, these two. But here, it's different for every single person. So it's really important for you to find out what fills your soul. Like I said to you, um, being amongst people, generally people I know, fills my soul. Um, Sitting by the ocean, um, there's something about the ocean that just fills my soul, just watching the ocean, the action of that, just sitting there. I don't do it as much as I should, but it feeds my soul. Watching a really funny movie will feed my soul. Um, having some good food, though it's going into my body, will, but also it's usually the fellowship that goes with it. It's usually it's got to be around people. will fill my soul. Now, like I said, my wife is completely the opposite, which was really fun for us in the early days of our marriage. <laughs> she reminds me of the holiday from hell. <laughs> because her idea of a holiday is sit on the beach and read a book and be there for hours, days. And reading a book that she's already read before. For me, it's like, that's a waste of time. Let's go do something. But that fills her soul. So we, we've learned that. We've learned that she is different than me. And so what happens is that I facilitate now what fills her soul. She doesn't like shopping. I do. And our two children did, so I took them off on shopping trips. She stayed at home. She loved it, and we had a ball. But it filled our souls. And so the problem is that when you try and force your spouse or what else to, to, to feed on what feeds your soul, you drain them. So you've got to look at, you've got to know yourself. You have, everybody in this place should know what feeds your soul. And you need to go there. We go, we go here several times a day. We spend long hours sleeping or trying to. Right? We spend time in this, but we neglect the soul. And one of the things that I've noticed, particularly for pastors, is that pastors that neglect their soul, they get burnt out. In our country, in Australia, we have 10,000 pastors burnt out, no longer in ministry. 10,000. When you consider that we are a population of 22 million people, that's a lot of pastors. Burn out. Why? Because they gave out in here, here, burnt the candle at both ends. They didn't look after their soul, in my opinion. You let your tank get down on your soul. It's really difficult to, to bring it up. So let's go on just to talk about some things that your soul needs. Hope. Needs hope. Now, I, I don't mean wishful thinking. You know, sort of a hope that says, well, I hope he finishes soon. <laughs> now, that's wishful thinking. <laughs> no, hope is an earnest expectation for good. It's, it's a confident expectation. Let me tell you the story. The school system um, in a large um, city had a, had a program to help children keep up with their schoolwork um, when they w- w- were in hospital, when they had to stay in, in hospital. One day a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call asking her to, to visit a particular child. She took the child's name and room number 
and talked briefly with the child's regular class teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs in the class now, the regular teacher said. I'd be grateful if you would help him understand about nouns and adverbs so he doesn't fall too far behind. Now, the hospital program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon, but no one had told her that the boy had been badly burned and was in great pain. She saw him. She was really upset at what she saw. And all she could get out was, I've been sent by your school to help you with nouns and adverbs. And she left. She felt like she hadn't accomplished very much. But the next day, when she went back, a nurse asked her, what did you do to that boy? The teacher felt that she must have done something wrong. She began to apologise. No, 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 said the nurse. You don't know. (coughs) You don't know what I mean. We've been worried about that little boy, but ever since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy explained that he'd been comp- he had completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. And everything changed when he came to a simple realisation. And he said it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? We don't, we don't realise how powerful hope is. In Proverbs it says, hope deferred makes the heart, or another word for that is soul, sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. See, hope deferred doesn't mean that you're hoping for something and it didn't happen. That's not hope deferred. Hope deferred means you stop hoping. You stop expecting. The day that you come here on a Sunday morning and you don't expect something to happen something to take place is a day that you've got to rediscover hope Romans 15 13 I say it like that because what I would normally say you don't apparently understand what I'm saying now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit um I would love to unpack that more and maybe I'll I'll do it tonight. Um, Yeah. (coughs) See, your soul needs joy. Not only does it need hope, but your soul needs joy. And I'm not just talking to Jay here. Okay? We all need joy, right? For the joy of the Lord is our joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the divine activity of the Holy Spirit working in your life. See, a merry heart does good, like medicine. Right? Now, you know, one of the things, just let me talk about this for just a little minute. You know, one of the things that gets me in churches, um, you know, is that you, you'll have people, particularly people who come down to the altar call, and they'll be crying. Because God is moving on them. And everybody thinks that's wonderful. They're being touched by the Holy Spirit. And it's good that they are. I'm not making fun of it. But then laughter breaks out and everybody thinks it's the devil. (laughs) I go into some congregations, not here. I go into some congregations and it looks like they've been baptized in lemon juice. I mean, if joy is a fruit of the Spirit, shouldn't you see it? Shouldn't you see it on people's lives? I mean, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I know there's a time to be serious. I mean, you know, we should be able to laugh. We should be laughing. I mean, if you don't, you know, you should all all practice laughing. Look in the mirror. (laughs) Come on. 
There should be a lot of laughter going on because it's an expression of joy. Now, some people say, brother, I'm laughing on the inside. (laughs) Well, let your mouth get hold of it. Let the outside get hold of it. Because how will anybody know you got joy? I mean, if you tell somebody you are something, you're probably not. Yeah? See, you should be, there should be an expression of it. And we should be the happiest people, the most joyful people. We should have people stopping us in the street and say, excuse me, why are you so joyful? Why, why is there so much peace about you? Why well, we should be expired? Because it's fruit of the Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and this is an opportunity, it's a place where we come, um, where we can be with one another, we can worship, we can hear what God... This is a little bit like halftime in a football match, where the team comes together and we get coached and we get told, okay, this is the moves, and then you go back out and play the game. So you should be able to have some joy that's flowing in your life that flows out as you go out. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to tell you a story because I'd like you to practice some joy today. Is that all right? Okay? You can laugh. You can get hysterical laughter again. Everybody's going to think that the Holy Spirit's upon you. Because he will be. Okay. (coughs) There was this um, proper English lady. Okay. Very proper. And she had this desire to go to Switzerland um, to to live and and to to work. She was a school teacher. And uh, she went there and visited and she found this very quaint uh, Swiss village and she loved it. She connected with the schoolmaster and they, um, she got a, a position was available, and um, there was a there was a, an apartment, and uh, and and she was just so overjoyed because it was the dream of her heart. So she comes back home, and she gets back home, and she realizes that when she was looking at the apartment, she had not seen if there was a restroom in it or a toilet, and so she was really really concerned. And being a very proper English lady, she, she wondered what she needed to do because she didn't want to just turn up there and found the apartment wasn't, wasn't going to be suiting her because she didn't have a bathroom or toilet in it, and which is often the case in some of these older European places. So she, she wondered what she would do. So she thought, I'll, I'll write to the schoolmaster and I'll ask her. But being a very proper English lady, she could not bring herself to write, is there a toilet? So she used the abbreviation that the English use, which is WC, water closet, WC. So she wrote to the schoolmaster and asked, is there a WC in the apartment? Now, he gets, the, he gets this letter and he has no idea what a WC is. So he goes to the parish priest and um, they, they talk about it. They, they wondered what she meant by WC. And they concluded that what she was referring to was the Wesleyan Chapel. (laughs) So remember, she's thinking, she's thinking, what? Toilet, WC. And they're writing back to answer her query thinking it's the Wesleyan Chapel. So this is the letter. Feel free to laugh. (laughs) Dear Madam, I take great pleasure in informing you that the WC is located nine miles from your house. (laughs) It's located in the middle of a grove of pine trees Surrounded by lovely gardens. (laughs) It's capable of holding 229 people. (laughs) 
and is open on Sundays and Thursdays. There are many people expected in the summer months. I suggest you arrive early. There is, however, plenty of standing room. This is an unfortunate situation if you are in the habit of going regularly. It may be of some interest for you to know that my daughter was married in the WC. Because it was there that she met her husband. It was a wonderful event. There were 10 people in every seat. It was a wonderful thing to see the expressions on their face. My wife, sadly, has been ill and unable to go recently. It has been almost a year since she went. And that pains her greatly. You will be pleased to know that many people bring their lunch and make a day over. Others prefer to wait to the last minute and arrive just in the nick of time. I would recommend that your ladyship plan to go on Thursdays, as there is an organ accompaniment. The acoustics are excellent, and even the most delicate sound can be heard everywhere. The newest addition is a bell, which rings every time a person enters. We are holding a fair soon to raise money to provide plush seats. I look forward to escorting you there myself and seating you in a place where you can be seen by all. So you got more than you bargained for coming here. So joy has been really. So one of the things that happens with joy is that when you start to laugh, endorphins are, up, are, are released into your body and they, and they actually cause you to feel good. That's why the Bible says that joy is like a medicine. It brings healing to your body. And in some places, they have, they have practitioners and all they do is make people laugh because they believe what the Bible says. Okay? So we should be people who, who, who love to laugh and have a laugh in, in, uh, in this sort of environment, but not only in this environment. So what we've often done is we've kept that out, but it's a fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you some real quick um, indicators that you, your soul is fatigued. You ready? Little things annoy you like the way your spouse chews their food or how they chew gum. <coughs> you, you should see you as I see you. I, I was just noticing some elbowing. It's hard to make up your mind about even a simple decision. So what are we going to have for lunch? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. It's like, um, I think I need to go to the restroom, but I can't make up my mind whether I should or not. That's <laughs> just a simple thing, but when your soul is fatigued, you can't make decisions on very simple things, and things that normally would not affect you start to annoy you. You suddenly have impulses to eat or drink or spend money or crave things that you would normally be able to resist, but suddenly you just can't resist them. You're more likely 
and soul fatigue to favour short-term gains in ways that leave you with high long-term costs. You know, this, this happened with the children of Israel. Um, they made a golden calf because they wouldn't wait. What happens with soul fatigue, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign, um, your judgment suffers. So you make poor decisions when you would normally make good ones. You have less courage than normal with soul fatigue. See, <coughs> the same disciples that fled Jesus when he was crucified eventually sacrificed their lives for him. What, what changed? Their soul changed. Okay, let's finish. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The goal of God is transformation. Transformation of people, transformations of community, transformations of family, transformations of the city. That's his goal, is transformation. Another translation um, says, I think it's a J.B. Phillips translation, says, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mould. Don't let the world squeeze you into the mould. And one thing that I, I meant to say to you I saw in worship was that some of you were in spiritual plaster casts, whole body. And the interesting thing is I saw you, some of you start to flex your muscles and it cracked. And some of it was so cracked that it was starting to fall off and you were shaking it off. God is bringing some of you out of your, where you've been. Out, he's bringing you out. He's bringing you into a greater freedom. See, a plaster cast keeps you in a, in a mold. Um, and, and, and he's taking you um, out of that. Your choice from that scripture is to transform or conform. You choose. Let me finish with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Don't you love that? <laughs> Sitting at a banqueting table, feasting. The enemy standing there looking, wanting what you have, and he can't have it. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. You look behind you where you've been, and surely goodness and mercy's been there. I want to say to you today that the Father wants to leads you into green pastures. He wants to lead you beside still waters. And like I said to you, it's different for every person. But I want you to going out of here today with a question. And the question is, what, where is your green pasture? Where are your still waters? And go there. Because it's there that he restores your soul. He wants to take you. Where is it? Know it. So if somebody says to you to, in the coming weeks, where's your green pasture? Where's your still water? You can say, oh, I know where that is. And I go there often because that's where my soul is restored. Okay? You can, um, yes, thank you. Appreciate that. You can do well here. You can have your body doing well and, of course, in your spirit. But because each one of these are linked, your soul, if you don't care for it, like that keeper of the stream, right? It will, it will affect each other, every part of this. This needs training. It needs relationship. 
It needs community. It needs hope. It needs joy. It needs to laugh a lot. It needs to be put in its place because it's designed to be here to hear where is your green pastures? Where is your still waters? Because that's where God will restore your soul. You and only you are the keeper of your soul. You and only you have the responsibility of finding out where your green pastures are, where your still waters are. Because God desires to restore your soul. And he'll do it where you go to your green pastures and your still waters. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, (laughs) Father, you said that you are our shepherd and that we shall not want. You said that you want to take us into green pastures where we can lie down. You said that you want to lead us beside still waters and that you desire to restore our souls. This morning, Father, I pray over every single person here in this place that you would speak so loudly, so clearly in helping every one of us to understand what and where our green pastures and still waters are. Father, I declare in this place that this place indeed would be a great place of manifestation of community, of relationship with one another. People will know this group of people by their relationships and by the community that exists. That it would be a place, Father God, of great hope and amazing joy because it will be a group of people who know how to restore their soul because they go into the green pastures and besides the still waters. Father, will you cause this community of believers to be the most holistic, healthy group of people ever? (laughs) And not just one or two, but right across the board. (laughs) Hmm. Thank you, Father. So, Father, I ask you again, make it clear to every single person here. Where the green pasture and the still waters are. Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I did forget and in the working out of the mics and all those sort of things at the beginning to, to just introduce you to my friends, uh, Tony and Gwet from uh, Labarge, Wyoming. They pastor a church um, there. Remember this. Please go out of here today with the thinking and a, the question, where is your green pasture and where is your still waters? One of those. Because that's where God wants to take you. And whenever he says something in his word, there's always the power to accomplish it. So if he says, you know, I lead you by the still waters, he's just waiting for you. Because leading is that you're going to follow him. Okay? He's not going to get behind and push you. He's going to go there and you're going to follow him. And he's going to restore your soul. We need communities of believers. We need the church to be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. Because that's going to make a difference. When people see that, 
when people understand and see you being healthy in every part of your body, and in particular your soul, you, you, you're going to get opportunity to be able to tell them about the rest of the makeup. Okay? Thank you. God bless you. So we'll be back here at 6 tonight. And I'm pretty sure there's healing on tap for tonight. We're uh, looking for payback for the enemy. <laughs> so uh, we look forward to that. Thanks for being here. So thank you, Mark. And we'll see you tonight at 6. Amen.